Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Uh, what stories captured your attention as a kid? You were growing up. Uh, what were the stories that you wanted your parents to read to you over and over and over, and no matter how many times they read it or how, how many times you dove into it, the, the story never grew old? What stories as you have grown up, have been ones that have captured your attention. If reading isn't your thing, and especially fiction, I think, has this power to stir us, um, movies may be. There's something about storytelling in, on paper or on film that um, we love because we get transported into a different world and... Uh, we get to be an observer of that world, and yet it's different. We can step aside. We can be a spectator. But the best stories call us in. We read a book like The Help or A Thousand Splendid Sons, or we watch The Revenant, and something about those stories just pulls us in. And we're either, uh, we find ourselves cheering or uh, punched in the gut or angered by stories, stories have the ability to stir us. And the best stories, I think, uh, while we can be spectators of them, they cause us to look at our own life and uh, look at our own life a little bit differently. The best stories call us to reevaluate even who we are. I, I remember crying um, in elementary school reading Where the Red Fern Grows. And the sad, anybody with me? The sadness, uh, because you've grown so attached to characters. And uh, that's, that's the power of stories. And that's why I think uh, in a lot of cultures, the storyteller of the tribe, the storyteller of the community, was one of the most revered positions in the community. Because for a long time, and even before writing, Storytellers had the job of capturing the hearts of the people and passing on the history before written communication, before they could just pull out an encyclopedia or Wikipedia or anything to say, this is where we've come from and I can see the history. The storytellers, uh, oral communication to say, this is who we are as a people and this is our story. And uh, oral tradition was a very reliable way of passing on the story. The storytellers were revealed. Some of the best teaching, I think, happens through stories. And partly because we get really good at defense. We get really good at frontal attacks. That uh, if somebody wants to teach us something, and I don't know about you, probably, like me, I can be very, very defensive if somebody wants to teach me somebody. But if they're able to tell me a story and I get... Uh, sucked into it, all of a sudden they stab me in the back with the point. I'm like, oh, you would have never got that through to me. I have such a thick head that without the story, that wouldn't have pierced me. And stories have a way of getting in. And so it's not surprising that Jesus used stories. It's not surprising as Jesus taught, as Jesus led, that he would use stories to grab people's attention. So we're heading into, today is our first day of a new series that we're calling the Parables of Jesus. And uh, we're going to take these uh, summer weeks to look at stories that Jesus told. And they weren't just 
stories that he was telling to entertain people. The parables are stories with a point. Parables are likely fiction stories that uh, had a message for reality, that had a message for a real life. And Jesus would tell stories about sometimes common activities like a farmer throwing seed that we're going to talk about today, or sometimes uh, things that wouldn't happen. But you could jump in and say, okay, I'll enter that world with you. And then he had this way of saying, and here's the point. Some of his parables are straight on, saying he'll finish it with say, that's the point, and now you should also do this. Or that's the point, and you shouldn't do that. That was a negative example. Some of them are assumed, like he doesn't identify exactly what he's talking about, and he never addresses the people. And it's like, people use the phrase, it's a double indirect parable. Meaning, he's telling a story about this, and it's about something else. And he's telling a story about somebody but he's addressing the people with him. And so he has this sneaky way of piercing people without using direct words at them. So we're going to engage with Jesus' stories um, all through this summer. I'm so excited about being a student of Jesus this summer. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump into our first one this morning. Father, I love that you are a God who wants to be known. I love that you are a God who does not hide and um, does not play tricks with us like hide and seek, that we, when we search for you, find you, that you show yourself to us. Would you make us students of you? Would you make us of people who listen to you, Jesus, who want to sit at your feet and listen to your stories and understand your stories and be moved by your stories, be changed by them? Will you open our ears today uh, to what you have to say for us? Amen. We're going to start with what um, people have called uh, the parable of the parables. So this is the anchor parable that kind of starts them all. This one shows up in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke. And in uh, all of those, it's the first parable that they introduce. So they're kind of setting up uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke as they think about how do I explain the life and the ministry of Jesus, and how do I want to convey that to my audience? They're saying, this is a great primer. This is one, because Jesus actually ex- he tells the parable, and then he explains the parable. And most parables don't have that second feature to it, the interpretation behind it. And so we're left to say, okay, what's he actually talking about? This one we're given a gift in that he explains it. So in Mark 4... Uh, In Mark 4, we're going to read, starting in verse 2. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky path, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil 
and produce grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive. And they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The one who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. I love how Jesus, as you get into it, you can almost picture him with people uh, looking at a road to say a farmer is going to sow, he's going to scatter seed, and some of it's going to fall on this, on the road itself, and there's no way for it to grow anywhere. It's just going to get picked up by the birds. And some of it is on the edge, like the shoulder of a highway, like maybe like weeds can grow there. We know that. But like the seed lands there and it goes. But uh, in the area, there was often rock right under this thin layer of dirt. So a seed could start to grow and then do nothing. And you can almost see Jesus right there with the people saying, I'm going to take something that's right here in front of you. And I'm going to turn it into something that's so much bigger. So right, right at the very beginning, I, I want to pose this. What if we started to look at the world to say, uh, God, show me not what's just right in front of me, but what could you teach me that's bigger about what's right in front of me about life? What could you teach me about a road that has not to do with the road, but about who I am? So Jesus takes four different kinds of soils, and he makes it about all of life. What does Jesus want? I love this. He, book in, he bookends his desire. As a teacher, Jesus says, I don't want to just stand up here and give you words. I want to connect with you. I want you to grow. The Bible says, like, I have no greater joy than to see that my children are walking in the truth. And Jesus, I think, says, I, I want to communicate something with you. And he bookends this parable. So in verse 3, he starts the whole thing with, listen. And then he goes through the parable. And at the end, he says, so he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And we ask the question, what does Jesus want? I don't think it's very complicated. I think he wants us to listen. I think he wants us to pay attention to him who is telling us stories, not just, not just fanciful, entertaining fiction, 
But Jesus wants to enter our world and he wants us to be a student of him. He wants us to listen to him. And this isn't a casual hearing. I love to listen to his voice and his cadence and the way he pauses. And there's something so calming. I could go to sleep to it. He just brings me peace. This isn't a casual kind of listening. Jesus talks about in the parable a kind of listening that bears fruit. The soil that he praises in the end is the one that uh, takes the seed and it lets it sink in and then it grows roots and it comes up and it bears fruit. And so Jesus is looking to us. Jesus is looking to his audience to say, I want you to take it and I want you to do something with it. I want it to penetrate who you are and I want it to change you. I don't want you to be the same. The example is... Uh, In verse 10, when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And they said, like, why do you speak in parables? Matthew's account has this question. After the parable, in Matthew, said, why, Jesus, why do you teach in parables? And in Luke, it says, they asked him what the parable meant. Like the disciples wanted more understanding. They had listened to him, but they wanted to get deeper. And he says, to you, I'm going to give you more. To people who hear it just casually, and then they go on their way, they're going to hear a cool story or a boring story. And then they're going to be able to push it aside and go on with life. But for people who really want to understand In Ezekiel, we're given this really weird and really rich picture. And Ezekiel has this conversation with God. And God wants Ezekiel to understand something about his word and about when God speaks, how important it should do to it. So they wrote on scrolls in those days. And God hands Ezekiel a scroll and he says, I want you to eat it. And this is a metaphor of how we take what God says and take it in. And we don't just like read it and put it down, but we take it in. And Ezekiel says, I ate it and it tasted like honey, which was the sweetest thing you could eat in the day. Like imagine your favorite dessert. And that's what God says his words to us are. That when God speaks to us, it should be, it should be like, oh, I would love another. I'm not sure if I should right now because I'll get sick, but... I love that, and I savor that. And God, his desire is that we would have that kind of relationship with him, that when he speaks, we listen, and we listen intently, and we take it in. Real hearing causes growth. It causes fruit. We cannot stay the same. And so this is true. Wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever your past, wherever you are right now, God loves you just as you are exactly as you are. He's crazy about you. He's fond of you. So many people are walking wounded thinking that God would just love to like thumb them down into the dirt. And it's a lie. Wherever you are and whoever you are, God is crazy about you. And he will not let you stay that way. And he wants to transform you. And he wants to to change you and me continually for the rest of my life, that he is not done with me, and he is not done with you, that God who began working in you will carry it on to completion when Jesus comes back, that he will never quit, and he will never say, 
eh, good enough. He's crazy about you, and he doesn't want you to stay the same. Does that make sense? So when you listen to Jesus, you should be listening with an intent to say, how does he want to change me in this? If I have walked with Jesus for three decades or more, he can still change me. He can still chip away at things that need to fall off. If I am brand new to Jesus, sometimes it looks more radical. But we enter into Jesus' story saying, how can I be changed by this? It is not a casual listening. And he's talking about that because his people, his people have had a history of listening, but not really listening, that he would speak. And just like the kids are talking today about forgetting who God is and the number of times in scripture that we're told to remember, to remember, to remember, because God's people had continually not listened and continually gone away. And so he talks about people who are hard-hearted, who just think and and act like they have it all put together, but are done growing. Another thing that I think we can observe from this parable, um, if, if we look back into the Old Testament, it's not surprising that Jesus uses a parable about uh, a farmer and a sower. God references himself. God calls himself in the Old Testament a number of times a sower. He says, I'm going to sow you as a people. I'm going to plant you, and you're going to take root, and you're going to grow up. And God is the sower. So that in Jeremiah 24, verses 5 through 7, he says, I will regard as good the exiles from Judah. I will plant them. I will give them a heart to know that I am God. And God looks at himself, and he communicates himself as a planter. And so Jesus extends that picture of God as planter with this parable. God's people did not listen to him. They had rejected the seed. And Jesus is here now as the culmination of God as planter. I'm going to tell you something. My parables, my teachings are this seed. My word is the kingdom. And I'm going to throw it. And the variable in the parable is the soils. The sower is kind of indiscriminate. He kind of throws it to all. The seed doesn't change. What changes is the soils. And so the point that he's getting at is he would say, I want you to pay attention to the kind of reception you give my word. I want you to pay attention to the kind of soil you are. And we can't skip over the fact that in the parable that Jesus is teaching, there's three failures and there's one victory. Now, I'm not, I don't know that he's saying that definitively, that 75% of uh, word scattering goes on deaf ears. But I think he uses it to say, I want, I want to catch your attention. The first one falls along the path, and it doesn't take root. And it's almost as if people can say, no, I'm very good at having a wall. I'm very good at blocking. I'm very good at defending who I am. I want to stay just the way I am. And you cannot, you cannot penetrate me, Jesus, with your words. Don't bring church here to me. If you want to believe that, that's just fine. But I'm going to hold you like this with my wall of defense up. This is a person who is the, the word of God falls to them like on a road. And it doesn't go anywhere. And it's just picked up, and it's eaten by a bird, and it goes away. And he goes to a second one, and he says, 
this rocky ground with really superficial soil, it takes root. So somebody hears about Jesus and says, yes, I'm interested in that. That sounds great. I'll give my life to Jesus. I'm super interested. And then kind of walks away without really going all in. And it looks good at first, and we celebrate. And some people even say, like, the angels are celebrating up in heaven. But if it doesn't last, it's not really real. You can be excited about Jesus and then forget him in the next breath. You can be interested in Jesus and then back away unchanged. And I think that's his, this... uh, seed that falls along the side of the path is that. I have some interest, but it's got nowhere to go in my life. My life is pretty established. Then there's another one that falls among thorns, and the seed that falls among thorns begins to grow, and the soil is good. The soil's good so that it can get down, it can start growing, it can establish roots. But as it grows, there are so many other pressures in life that we start to worry and our fear gets the best of us and we start to chase after different things. And Jesus says, when you have all of that in your life and that's where your concern goes, your faith is going to get choked out. You want it to grow, but you've got all of these things that should be cut back or pulled out. And, and because you're not taking care of the garden of your soul, Your faith is just going to get choked out. Jesus says three times the seed doesn't really take root. Nothing significant happens. And then one, he says, but there are times when people hear from me. There are times when people hear God's word and they they humble themselves and they take it in. They say, I want to hear this. I want it to penetrate me. I want it to sink in. And they start to be changed by it. And you can see it in their eyes and you can see it in their faces and you can see it in the way that they start to get challenged by things and the way that they treat people and the way that they give to people and generosity starts to well up in them. And they're just, they're grateful and they look at God and they start to thank him. And Jesus changes us and he doesn't quit. He keeps on. And the seed keeps growing, and more and more and more fruit is born. Which kind of soil are you? And I'll let you cheat. You can pick multiple. You can, there are times, I'm sure, when you are just blocked off to what God has to say to you. Either that you hear it from him directly or that you hear it from somebody in your life and you, you block And I'm sure there are times where you're like, yeah, that's interesting, and then you walk away. There are times when you let fear and anxiety and the the struggles of this world choke out your life and your faith in God. And I hope and I want for you to be able to say, "I I have a kind of relationship with Jesus where I'm growing And I'm not even producing the change. I'm not producing this fruit in me, but my relationships are changing. The way I treat people is changing. God is doing things in my life. As an anti-example, I was sitting with a student years and years and years ago uh, before school for breakfast. And he was talking about some questions that had him 
um, that were an obstacle for him really believing in Jesus. And the questions, um, the questions were of the nature where they sounded really wise, like he had been pontificating the meaning of life, and he was a sage. He was this uh, highly philosophical question asker. And they actually had pretty simple answers. And he wasn't interested in the answers. He, he somehow thought, just asking tricky questions makes me wise. And I will say, you're still a fool. A child is wiser than you if a child can ask a simple answer or a simple question and then want the answer. You're not even interested in the answer. If you are somebody who looks at Jesus, who looks at religion in general, or looks at Christianity and says, uh, here's, here's a question that I have. And that's as far as you go. I wouldn't call that wisdom. I want you to think. I want you to use your brain. I want you to use your intellect. And I want you to ask tough questions. But don't think that asking the question finishes the job for you. Because we ought to be people who ask questions and then wait for a response, right? We ought to be people who say, this is troubling to me. What is going on here? Could you speak into it? Do you have an answer? No? Okay, I'll keep struggling with it. I'm looking for an answer. If we just hold up questions to say, no, I'm blocking, then we're like, then we're like soil where the seed doesn't go anywhere. I can get pretty proud of my intellect. I think I'm a pretty smart guy. And I, I don't know if that's a lack of humility or just recognizing greatness. <laughs> <laughs> but there are times when I certainly miss the point. There are times when I think I have finished the race because I have come up with something very smart and I see clearly. And I think in those moments, God would just love to smash me in love so that he would keep me broken so that I could keep growing. God wants to smash our pride so that he can grow us up with him. The goal isn't just to ask questions, but to look for answers. So then, which soil are you? Do you reject Jesus? Or maybe you felt something for him once, but... I don't know anymore. Or maybe all of the, the worries and concerns of this world are choking out your life with him. Here's a different question. Which one do you want to be? Honestly, which soil is your preferred soil? Because if you're at a point where you're saying, I want to be the soil on the road. I don't want this stuff. That's a good answer then. Because I don't... I don't I don't want to just keep shoving it down into concrete. Maybe it's time to say, what could we use to soften the concrete? Do you, are you content where you are? Then have a happy life. And if anything ever changes, come back and keep asking questions. Which one do you want to be? Will you put yourself in the position of being a student of Jesus? This summer, 
as we go through this series, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for you and for us to say, I want to learn from Jesus. I want to be a student of Jesus. I'm not done yet. And even if you don't believe in him, even if you don't believe, this is an opportunity for you to observe. This is an opportunity for you to use your mind and start to say, who is this guy? How does he teach? What is he talking about? And I would challenge you to use your mind and examine Jesus and be a student of his. And ask the question this summer, no matter where you're coming from, Jesus, what do you want to teach me? What does it look like for this to get planted in me? And if you are somebody who has a relationship with Christ, I think you could ask a second question is, what, what could it look like for me to become a storyteller? What could it look like for me not just to learn from Jesus, and I want to continue to do that, but also to become a person who starts to tell stories like Jesus did? So I start to see, think, I start to see life not just as what's right in front of me, but bigger. And I start to take everyday situations, and I can point people to what God might be doing in their life, not in a I'm going to shove it down your throat kind of way, but in a storytelling kind of way. If Jesus has taken root in you, it should cause you to see life differently and then maybe help people to see it that way as well. <coughs> so we'll wrap up real simply and we'll just say, may we listen. May we have ears to hear. May we become students of Jesus, maybe for the first time and maybe all over again. And maybe we listen in a way that brings life and bears fruit in our lives and in the lives of others. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm excited to learn from you this summer. As we set up the parables, as we seek to sit at your feet and understand what you're talking about and realize that you're not that you have something to tell us. That you have something to tell us that can change us. That can change the way we live life. Jesus, would you create again and again and again in us hearts who love you, who give our all to you, who recognize we're loved by you and constantly want to be changed by you. As we go to communion this morning uh, and we take the elements, would you remind us of the story that you're telling and the story where you weren't just a passive observer, but where you engaged and you jumped in and you became the hero to come and rescue us, to give your all. May we celebrate that this morning, you the hero of our story. Amen.